0: right into god's word this morning again john chapter 8 last week we started into the chapter and we saw the jews there the scribes and pharisees they were looking for an accusation to bring against the lord and so as the lord had ministered to them on the last day of the great feast of tabernacles and it uh you know talked to them about a lot of truth it says that they went home but the lord went there to the Mount of Olives and the next morning he got up early to go to the temple to worship the Father and minister to people but they went out to find someone in sin and they didn't go to find someone in sin to minister to them to point them to the Lord but instead to bring them before the Lord to try to find an accusation in Jesus Christ and remember they found that woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and Uh, we kind of explored that, why they only brought her and not the man and so forth. A lot of fishy things going along there. But they brought her wanting to, again, test the Lord. And uh, they said, the law of Moses says, we should kill such one, but what do you say? And the Lord didn't answer them, but instead stooped down and began to write in the ground. And they continued to press him, and he continued to write. And then finally it says they were convicted, and from the oldest to the youngest, they left. And it seems the Lord began to write down things that brought conviction to them, whether it was the law itself or their own sin. And the Lord took that opportunity not to bring condemnation to the woman, but instead to show them and to show us that we're all condemned already. And the fact that Jesus didn't come to condemn that which was already condemned, but came to make that way of salvation. And he said to her, you know, where are those that condemn you? She said, there's none. And he said, I don't condemn you either. Again, because she, them, and us are already condemned, but instead he said, go and sin no more. And he offered her freedom. And we saw that life only comes from him. And we only get in that place where we're free from our sin when we put our faith in him. And we only walk in victory when we get our eyes on him and are found abiding in him. Well, this morning we see the Lord continuing to minister to this group. And we're going to see him talking about a lot of truthful things for them and for us He continues to emphasize the fact that he came from the Father, and the things he spoke were from the Father, and the Father was with him. And he begins to compare that to, again, these religious men who weren't about the business of God, and begins to talk to them of the fact that he's from above, but they're from this earth. He's not of this world, but they're of this world. He's of his heavenly Father, but they're of their father, the devil. And he begins to talk about he's not of this world. As followers of Christ, we're going to be reminded this morning that we're not not to be of this world either. And then he also talked to them about truth because as he's ministering to them, there's bystanders listening. And many of those people actually come to faith in him. And he turns his attention to them and says, if you're my disciple, then abide in my word and the truth of my word will indeed set you free. And we're going to talk about that this morning, the truth setting us free versus the bondages and slavery found in sin. So a lot of truth for us this morning. Let's just start reading the text. Uh, We'll get down to verse 38. I don't know if we'll read through it all right now, but I want to read a little bit of it and then uh, we'll dive in here and uh, just pick it up from where we stopped last week. So verse 21, it says, then Jesus said to them again, 'I I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, "'Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from my Father. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, "'When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things.' And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I I always do those things that please him. And as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, <clears throat> but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with With your father. Now, notice again, verse 21. It says, Then Jesus said to them again. Now, before we get to what he said to them again, I think just the fact that he's speaking to them again shows how patient our God is, how long suffering our Lord is. He has spoken to these men now several times on several different occasions, and for the most part, they continue to reject him over and over and over again and now they move to the place where they're plotting against him they're trying to destroy him they're trying to find reasons to come against him and yet he continues to speak to them he continues to knock on the doors of their heart not wanting any of them to perish it's not our god good and we need to remember that in the midst of a world that you know what it seems more and more is rejecting him and rejecting him over and over and over again. It's a dangerous place to do that because you can come to the place where you're no longer, you know, convicted in your conscience. And you're no longer, you know, in that place where you have any sensitivity at all to the work of the Holy Spirit. But praise God, he continues to knock on the hearts of unsaved men. And praise God, he continues to knock on our hearts day after day, wanting to fellowship with us and wanting to, again, abide and, and and you know, abound in our lives. And praise God, he is so long suffering. And just that little word again there reminds us of that. So again, he says to them again, I'm going away and you'll seek me and you'll die in your sin. And where I go, you cannot come. And see, not only had he been speaking to them over and over again, but this specifically, he said to them now on a few different occasions that I'm going away and where I'm going, you can't, Go where I am going. Now, the Lord often talked about going away. And the reason for that is because he didn't come here to this earth to establish a permanent residency here. He didn't come to do that. On several different occasions, he talked about this. He talked about the fact that, you know what, his father's kingdom is not of this world, but his father's kingdom is heavenly, heavenly. And he talked about the fact that, again, he didn't come here to set up shop here. He came here instead to make a way for sinners, for those under condemnation, which is all of us outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, to have eternal residence ourselves in glory in heaven. And he's the only way that we can have that eternal residence in heaven. And aren't you glad he didn't come here to set up permanent residence, but instead came to make a way for us to have permanent residence in glory through his death, through his resurrection, through him atoning for our sins and us putting our faith in him to have our sins washed and cleansed, to have a right relationship with him that we don't have outside of him. And see he often talked about this. He talked about going away, and in fact as he got closer to going away, as he got closer to going to the cross, where he would die for our sins and be resurrected from the grave. He talked more about it. In fact, he began to get into the details of what would happen. And his disciples wouldn't even understand this until the Lord actually did what he said he was going to do and then resurrect as he said he was going to do on the third day. In Mark 10, 33, they began to get really close to him laying down his life. And he said to his disciples, "'Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem.'" And the Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priests and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Isn't that awesome? They're going to do all these sayings. But on the third day, I'm going to resurrect. And on that third day, indeed, he rose from the grave to defeat sin and death and Satan. Satan that any and all who call on him will have salvation. So in the midst of talking about this, he says, and you're gonna seek me. And I think the Lord here is talking about them seeking him before he would be crucified. Because remember it says here, he'd be delivered into their hands. And they were seeking after him continually to destroy him. They would seek him beforehand. They would crucify him. But then after his resurrection, they would seek after him as well to try to destroy him. But listen, he would even be greater and make a greater impact after his resurrection when the church would be birthed. And to this day, the gates of hell still have not prevailed against his church. Now, what he says to these men specifically is frightening because he's prophesying to them. And he tells these men specifically that they were gonna die in their sins and they would not go where he was going. Boy, what a horrific thing to hear from the Lord Jesus himself who knows the end from the beginning. Not only did the Lord know that these men at this time were not believers, that they were in their sin, but him knowing the end of days knew that these men specifically that were before him wanting to find accusation in him would not come to a place of repentance. And because they would die in their sins, they would not inherit eternal life. Because again, sin brings death and sin is rebellion. And God is not going to bring a single ounce of sin into glory. He's going to reign and rule supreme. There's not going to be any rebellion. There's not going to be temptation to rebel anymore. Isn't that good news to know? We are going to have a complete new nature We are going to have one desire to serve him and fellowship with him. And we are going to do that well for all of eternity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's prophesying to them, you're going to die in your sin. And because you're going to die in your sin, you're not going to be able to go where I am going. But listen, the Bible prophesies concerning all men in this area. As the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, that's a prophetic word. It's a prophetic word that if you call on him and ask him to be the Lord of your life and you entrust your life to him and you believe he died on the cross and rose from the grave and he's your Lord and your Savior, the Bible prophesies that you are born again and you're going to have eternal life because your sins have been washed and cleansed and you're saved to the uttermost in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not good news today? I mean, it's good news, but it's also prophesying That those that don't call on the name of the Lord, those that reject the Lord Jesus Christ for whatever reason, whether it's them trusting in themselves and their good works, or those that would just say, I don't want him in my life, I want to do my own thing, or those that would say, yeah, I kind of trust in Jesus, but I also trust in all these things that I'm doing. That's a false gospel as well. The Bible prophesies that like these men, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And it comes down to this, if you've put your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone is your Lord and Savior, then you have the guarantee of glory in heaven forever and ever. But if you've not put your faith fully in him, the Bible prophesies you will spend eternity separate from him forever and ever and ever. And we got to remember that. Because there is a lot of opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ today. And we got to stand in the truth and represent the truth. Because we, as we already read here and we're going to read, the truth is what sets people free. Verse 22. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. These guys were so blinded. They were thinking that they were righteous and Jesus Christ was unrighteous even though they plotted and they planned against him. These guys were very shady in their behaviors. They twisted the law and so forth. They had murder in their heart where Jesus wanted to lay down his life for even those that wanted to murder him. And they're thinking, listen, when we die, surely we're gonna go to heaven because we have right standing with God based on our ethnicity and based on our behavior, which was wrong on both accounts, But he must be talking about going and killing himself and being judged in hell because that's not where we're going. So when he's saying, I'm going to go away and where I go, you cannot come. They're thinking, well, I guess he's going to kill himself and go to hell because that's not where we're going. Boy, you talk about a false hope. And sadly, there's a lot of people in that place today who, again, put faith in something outside of Christ Oftentimes in works of the law themselves, thinking they're going to go to glory, but by the works of the law, no one will be saved. Now again, listen, Jesus wouldn't kill himself, but Jesus would lay his his life down, and he would lay his life down knowing he was going to take it right back up. And when you know you're going to lay it down and take it right back up, you can say, yeah, he died and he laid himself down. But he knew he was going to take it right back up because he was without sin. And so sin cannot hold him. Death cannot hold him. The grave cannot hold him. And he did that for us. He did that for you. And in fact, if he didn't take his life back up, we have no hope at all. But praise God, he did. And so we have all hope. We have the hope of heaven. So he emphasizes again, though, um, you know what? to these individuals that, that where he is going is where they're not going. They kind of got that right, but they got it wrong in the sense they were thinking, well, we're going to go to heaven and he's going to go to hell. When the exact opposite was true, he was going back to heaven to his father. And they, because they did not have faith, instead were going to go to hell, which was originally created for the devil and his angels when they rebelled. Now, notice 23 and 24 And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now when he says you're from beneath, he's not saying you're from hell, but he's saying I'm from above, I'm from heaven. Remember we talked a few weeks ago about where the Messiah would come from and we saw first of all he would come from heaven. Emmanuel, God with us. Then he would come from Bethlehem as he was born in Bethlehem. He'd come out of Egypt as the Lord came out of Egypt as a young boy when Joseph hid him there from Herod. And they did also come out of Galilee where the Lord would go and minister to those that sat in darkness. And so he's saying here, you're from beneath where I came from, heaven. I'm from above, but you're from this world. You're from this world via heaven. Adam being your father, you have a sin nature, and you've given in to that sin nature. I am from above, though we know that he's also the son of man, as indeed he is God, but he is also man and took on the form of man. The difference is, though, he never, he never participated in sin. Though he was tempted in every way, he walked in uprightness, he walked in godliness. And he says to them, you're of this world, and this was an uncompliment here. This was a a, a prophetic word against speaking to these men's sin nature, speaking to the condemnation they were under because they did not have faith in the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And it was also speaking to the fact that they lived for themselves. They did not live for God Almighty. They convinced themselves they did, but they really, again, just used Scripture as a platform to promote themselves. These indeed were men that lived for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Being of this world, it means your life revolves around your time here. You're just caught up in your next, you know what, entertainment and your next pleasure. You can't see past the end of your nose, your laddering. You're just thinking about the here and now and this life. And if you are thinking about those things, you're thinking about them outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ, listening to lies and so forth. And listen, the most of this world is of this world. And the Bible says in First John five nineteen, and Jesus begins to get into that with this these guys, that this world is under the prince of the power of the air of this world of Satan himself. In John 5, 19, it says, we know that we're of God, but the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And you look around, and again, most of this world is of this world, and under the sway of the wicked one. And they're just about temporary business. The Bible calls it aimless conduct inherited by your fathers. And listen, if someone were to look at your life, and what you do, and what you're about, what would they say about you? Would they say you're of, of, you're of this world, or you're not of this world? You know what? Would they say you're different? You're an alien. You're a pilgrim. You're special. You're a Jesus freak. Or would they say, yeah, you're just like us, but you say you're a Christian. The Lord says to them, you're of this world. And again, we don't want to be in that place ourselves because the Lord says, I'm not of this world. Again, the Son of God, the Son of Man, God Almighty, who took on the form of man, he in that absolutely was in a place where he was tempted in sin, and yet he did not. And at every single turn, he did what pleased the Father. In fact, he gets into that with them here. At every single turn, he did what the Father called him to do. At every single turn, he put others above himself. He was about heavenly business. He was here saying, I've come to make a way for salvation, and that's what I'm about, and I'm not going to get sidetracked with temporary things. Does it mean Jesus didn't enjoy things here? Well, absolutely he did. He'd sit down and have a meal with his disciples. They would fellowship and so forth. There's many pictures of the Lord. Again, rejoicing in the temporary things here. But even in that, it showed he was not of this world because he gave glory to his heavenly father, to his father in that. Now, again, as the Lord's not of this world, we're called to be not of this world as well. We're called to be in this world, but not of this world. Boy, that's a challenge, isn't it? I think it's becoming more and more of a challenge day after day. But we need to keep these truths and principles before us because I think it's very, very easy to grow lukewarm, to grow complacent, to be like that frog in the boiling pot, you know, where the, and and I've never tried this, I've just heard about it. You know, I, I love frogs and all beasts, but, you know, the frog's thrown in the pot, it's put on the stove, and... You know, who, who came up with that? You know, who, who is the frog hater? And they, they slowly start turning up the heat on the frog and, and he never jumps out. Because he just slowly gets lulled into it. But if you throw a frog right in the hot water, he says, this is hot. He's going to jump out. Kind of like, you know, if, if, for us too, if you get in a tub and you slowly heat it up, you jump right in, you know, it's the opposite. And I think it's easy for us to get in that place where we get lulled in the world. And let me ask you, your life today... Is, is it marked more by the things of God or the things of the world? Are you more caught up in eternal matters? Are you just fixated on temporary things that are going to come and that are going to go? Now, God knows we have temporary needs and so forth. And praise God, I look around this room. I think he's supplied our need quite well. I mean, this morning, he's provided for us. Everyone here has got a shirt on their back and shoes on their their feet. Maybe you just took off your sandals. Put those back on. No, you can... You know, I, I guess you can take them off temporary. We got food in our belly. And if you don't got food, we'll feed you here this morning. I mean, he's provided for us. But listen, are we so fixated with this stuff that, that, that we don't got our eyes on him? And what our eyes on him, he provides what we need here. Later on in John, and Lord willing down the road, we'll get to it. But in John 17, 14, Jesus says, I've given them your word And the world has hated them because they're not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. He's talking about believers here. I do not pray that you should take them out of this world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. And we're going to read in a minute, Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if you want to be a Christian that's not walking in freedom, start having the mindset that you're of this world. And you'll get into bondage really, really quickly. I mean, that you're of this world, that, 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 that this is your permanent home. Listen, if, if the Lord is your Savior, this is our temporary home. We're called to be tent dwellers here. You have citizenship in heaven. Jesus Christ is building a mansion for you right now. And we're here to be about his business. And when we're about his business, listen, the truth of that, there's a freedom that comes with that. There's a bondage that comes. And you see a world in bondage that's just fixated with this life. Have you noticed when you get fixated with things of this life, again, we're not talking about being thankful for blessings and being good stewards of those blessings, but there's so many people that are just out of this world, and they're trying to manage and maintain all this stuff, and and, and it's just next to impossible. Talking to a brother before church, how that you know you can be fit your whole life, but boy, at the end of days, when when it's time to 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 pass from this world, so many people that are just fit their whole life, their health just deteriorates and it begins to fall apart and so forth. Why? Because of just this fallen place that we're in, and it's just a bondage. Even trying to keep and maintain all this stuff that's being broken down, but to know we have eternal life in Him, it's a glorious thing. And let's remember that. Let's remember that today. In 1 John 4, or 2, 15, uh, the apostle wrote, do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in. For all in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And the will of God starts with believing in Jesus Christ putting your trust in him. And then he says to him again, he says uh, uh, in verse 24, therefore I said to you, you'll die in your sins. If you do not believe I am he, you'll die in your sins. And so if we believe in him, our sins are washed, we have glory. If we don't believe, we're going to die in our sins. And listen, eternal hell comes out of that. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. I know people say, oh, you know, let's talk about hell today. You're going to offend somebody. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to get offended to get saved. The cross is an offense, but we're here to teach truth. The truth is what sets people free, not hiding the truth. That's not loving at all. The truth hurts sometimes. Listen, it is true. A lot of people can't handle the truth, but you got to hear the truth to set you free. And over and over and over again in the scripture, you're going to find this truth that if you believe in Christ, you entrust your soul in him, that you're going to have eternal life. But if you reject him, if you reject him as Lord of your life, if you want to be the Lord of your own life and say, I want to do as I will, I don't want you. The Bible declares God's going to honor that forever. And you're going to be separated from God forever. It is Christ and faith in him that saves us and sets us free. We've read it over and over and over again. You're going to read it over and over again in the Scriptures from the fallen man to the second coming of Jesus Christ. It says, Abraham believed God and God accounted to him as righteousness, as right standing. John 6.47, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And then Paul wrote in Romans 1:16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. And let's never add to that. Let's never take away from that. Let's be found a people proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ as written in the word of God. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Verse 25. Then they said to him, who are you? They, they, they hadn't been paying attention. Instead of listening to the Lord, they were thinking of what they're going to say next. Ever been guilty of doing that? You ever have a conversation with someone and you're, you're in the middle of your thing thinking they're not listening to anything I'm saying. They're just thinking about what they're going to say next not a good practice you know what in any place especially when the lord is talking who are you and jesus said to them just what i have been saying to you from the beginning i've told you from the beginning i'm Son of the father i'm the messiah from the beginning he's telling them that he's the son of god it's a declaration that he is god As this conversation continues, and Lord willing, we'll get deeper into it next week, he tells them, listen, I am. That's who I am. I'm God Almighty. As Moses asked God, who are you? And he said, I am. Jesus says, I am. I was before Abraham. I am. I am God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. He's given them multiple witnesses, not just his own, but the witness of the Father, the witness of his works, the witness of his word, the witness of John the Baptist, And yet in all of that, Jesus is right before them. Who are you? You talk about blinded individuals. And again, the Lord never waffled on his message. Just as he says to them again, I am who I've been telling you who I am. That's who he still is today. He never changes. Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And guess what? This gospel message we're reading about here, it's the same today as it was back then. And his word, it's the same today as it was back then. His heart's the same as it was back then. His standard is the same as it was back then. He doesn't change. A lot of people around today, though, want to try to change him, his word, the gospel, and everything else. And they might change up, some things up in their mind, but that doesn't change who he is, doesn't change the gospel, doesn't change the word of truth. And then he says, I have a lot to say about you and I have a lot to judge concerning you. And this was another deity claim here, that I'm, I'm the judge. And I have a lot to judge concerning you. And listen, let's be careful here, not just to say, well, yeah, God's going to judge this world, because the Bible talks about the Lord saying a lot concerning us and judgment concerning us as well. Again, in Christ, we know positionally we're right with him, but practically, listen, God doesn't ignore the things going on in our life. You know, God wants to speak to the issues of your life. You know, God judges the issues of our life, not unto condemnation, but absolutely. There is a judgment that we're going to face when he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave to you? Let's not think that you know what? God's not going to speak to those things. Absolutely he is. Go read the seven letters to the seven churches there in Revelation. He has a lot to say to those churches, doesn't he? Commends them on a lot of things. And at other things, he rebukes them and tells them, you need to change these things and so forth. The same's true in our life. And God wants to speak to us every day through his word, the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's let him do that. And let's ask him to help us to respond to what he has to say. Can we say amen to that? And then he tells them again, he who sent me is true. And he has sent me to speak to this world, the things that I've heard from my father. Why? Because he wants this world to be saved. And he brought the truth of the father, again, wanting to see this world get born again. Not to condemn the world, not to destroy men's lives, but to save men. Not to condemn that which was already condemned, but to set free any and all who would call on his name. And then 27 says, they did not understand that he spoke to them of the father. Again, he's been as clear with them as you can be, but these men were just spiritually blinded. And listen, there's so many in the same place today. You ever share the gospel with somebody and it's just like, this is so simple and yet you can't understand it at all. It's because they're spiritually blinded. Second Corinthians four three says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Remember, Jesus said, if you do not believe, you are in your sin. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. And I can't encourage you enough this morning, those in your life who are blinded. Do you know anyone who's blinded to the gospel of Christ? We need to understand there's a spiritual war that's happening And we need to be praying for them diligently. Your role in their life is in part to be praying for them that those blinders would be pulled down, that they could see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ and call on his name for salvation. Verse 28, then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. Now, when he's talking about being lifted up It's a dual meaning. He's talking about when he would be crucified, when they would nail him to the cross and he'd be lifted up between heaven and earth. But he's also talking about his glorification, when he'd be lifted up from the grave, when he would ascend unto heaven. And he says, when that happens, you're gonna know that I'm he. You're gonna know that I'm the Messiah. And think about when the Lord was lifted up on the cross of Calvary. We read in the scriptures, the earth shook, The sun went dark in the middle of the day. We read that when he said, it is finished, and he laid down his life, that the veil in the temple that was probably at least six inches thick, maybe up to a foot thick, up to 30 feet tall, was ripped from top to the bottom instantly. It was showing them that Jesus Christ now is the means to the Holy of Holies. That's how we enter in. We read that three days later, though they guarded that tomb. Absolutely. God rolled away from that, rolled that tomb and he rose from the grave and he appeared to many over the next 40 days. Then he ascended unto heaven. And finally there at Pentecost, the church was birthed with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And here we are 2,000 years later in another continent, you know, worshiping God Almighty on Portola Road. Evidences that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Let me ask you, has he impacted and changed your life? Can you say amen to that? He says, you're going to know. You're going to know what I'm lifted up that I am He. And that I do nothing of myself, that again, I came here to do what my father taught me to do. And indeed, he would, all the way up to the work of the cross of Calvary. Verse 29, he says, and he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Again, the father and son had perfect fellowship. And Jesus always did what pleased the Father. And he always did what pleased the Father because, again, he was sinless, walking in perfect fellowship with the Father. But also he did this because he wants to walk with us always. And he wants to be with us always. And the only way that could happen would be for him to live a sinless life on our behalf, go to the cross of Calvary, and take the wrath to us as he laid down his life, and defeat the wages of our sin, death. So when we put our faith in Him, we get the assurance that He's with us to the end of the age. He'll never leave us, He'll never forsake us. And then from there, it's His desire for us to walk in a manner where we do things that please the Father as well. Where we're a people walking now in the newness of life that God has for us. I think God's pleased that we're gathered here today to worship Him. I think he's pleased that we're in the word of God. I think that he's pleased that our children are being taught the word of God right now in Sunday school and being ministered to. I think that he's pleased that I know that before this service and after this service, folks are gonna pray for one another and edify each other, encourage one another. And I just hope that as we leave this place, we can leave here walking in the truth we receive, walking closer with the Lord, walking in fellowship with him, worshiping him, and that we can walk in a manner that's pleasing him. Don't you want to do that? Can we say amen to that? And listen, he wants to help us in that. He wants to go before us in that. He knows we need his help in that, that outside of him, we can't. Now, this is interesting. Verse 30, it says, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. It doesn't say those that you know what he was talking directly believed in him but the bystanders the audience remember he went to the temple the minister to the people and then these scribes and pharisees showed up to try to confront him but as he's ministering you know and is speaking truth listen there's audience there's a bystander there's people that are listening to these men trying to confront Christ and Christ ministering the gospel to them. And as a result of his words, they believe and many of them are getting saved. And listen, there's a great, great truth here. Listen, oftentimes the people you're ministering to, more so than the person you're directly talking to, oftentimes it's the audience and the bystander. Really remember that this day we're living in on social media, Remember that. Boy, I see a lot of Christians, they take the bait. They throw something up there about God, and then you got that one militant person, you know, That wants to come against you. And then you take the bait. And instead of just representing truth loving. You kind of start getting aggressive with them. And so forth. And as they start doing personal attacks. You kind of throw some personal attacks back. And it's back and forth. And the thing you're not getting. Is the person wanting to fight fight with you. They're not even interested in what you have to say. They're there just to fight. But you know what. There's all these other people. That are looking at what you're putting down there. And they're judging your tone, and they're judging your attitude, and they're seeing if you're kind. They're seeing if you truly represent the Lord. They're looking for the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And that's what was going on. These people there that, again, Jesus was conversing with, they did not want to hear what he had to say. They were just looking for fault. But all these other people around were listening. They were watching. And, and again, as he shared truth, they looked at his life and they saw that indeed what he's saying was true. And in the midst of this conversation there's people around the lord putting trust in him acknowledging their sin acknowledging they were under condemnation acknowledging that this is the messiah and trusting in him and how awesome as these individuals came to fight with jesus and he shared truth and did it in a loving way people around him watch and listen and got saved isn't that awesome your life is being watched People are looking at what you're doing and how you're behaving and how you're conducting yourself. Is it gonna lead them to salvation? Is it gonna lead them to believing? Or is it gonna sour them to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Verse 31, then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And I love it because the Lord knew. The Lord knew without them saying a word that there were people that were being saved. And he knows what people call in his name. You know, there's a lot of people, they don't know the moment they got saved, but God knows when that moment was and God acknowledged it. And then God immediately turns his attention to these new children of God. He never ignores his kids. Isn't that awesome? Even when we feel like we're ignored, ever feel like you're being ignored by God, you're not. You just feel like you are. Maybe it's a desert season. Maybe it's just a time when he's working some things out in your life. That's why we got to stand in truth and not in feelings. He never ignores his kids. And he turns to them and begins to instruct them. And he says, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. This word abide. Again, he's talking about abiding in his word and the word of God. Again, there's some people today, they say, well, I only follow the red letters in the Bible. And you start getting into their theology. They don't even listen, follow the red letters, the red letters. You know, if you got a red letter Bible, the words of Jesus are in red letters. I found that group, they don't even follow the red letters. They twist the red letters. But here's the thing, they're not realizing that Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ is God, is the Father's God, is the Holy Spirit of God. And guess what? The Bible is called the Word of God. And I mean, he says, when you abide in my word, he's talking about the totality of the Word of God. When you abide in it, that's when you are my disciples. That's when you're truly my disciples. Now, the word abide, it's, it's, it's a huge word, really. The word abide, it means to accept, to act in accordance with. It, it means to comply with, to obey, to observe, to follow, to keep, to hold to, to conform to, to adhere to, to stick to. To stand by, to act in accordance with, to uphold, to heed, to pay attention to, to agree with, to consent, to consent to, to accept, to go along with, to acknowledge, to respect, to defer to. We should be doing that in every aspect of our life. What does God's Word say? We defer to the Word of God. Sadly, today, though, you look around and there's a lot of people that are saying they're disciples of Jesus Christ that are not abiding in the word of God, that are shunning the word of God, that are twisting the word of God, perverting the word of God, and yet they claim to be disciples of God. And you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ if you do not abide in his word. If you don't honor his word, it's not one of these things of, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. But that that Bible, I'm not really interested in that. That Bible's offensive. But, you know, Jesus, I'm interested in him. Jesus wrote the word of God. And if you're not interested in the word of God, you are not interested in the God of the word. And yet there's a great assault on the word of God today. The Bible talks about this great assault on God's word in the end of days. And you see it in so many different areas. You see it again in the gospel message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in him alone. People wanting to pervert that, to add to it, to take away from it. You see it in the area again of the home. You see it in the area today even of, again, of, of, of how God made us and so forth. You see this attack on the scriptures at every turn. I saw someone the other day, you talking about an attack on God's word. God's word talks about men being created as men, women as women, and holy matrimony being between one man and one woman. Jesus affirmed that which was read there again and spoken in Genesis. And yet, you know, it's someone trying to twist God's word there in Romans where it says the women will leave the natural function and go after other women and lust for them. And likewise, the men will do the same. Some individuals saying, well, that's not God talking about women going after women. That's talking about the Nephilim. That's talking about when before the flood, women had sexual relations with fallen angels. That's what that's being talked about because that's unnatural. Well, that's unnatural, but so is women going after women and men after men. And the context is women after women and men after men. But the sad thing is there's so many people that say they're disciples of Jesus that are not, that are of the world, wanting to appease the world. They'll actually hang their hat on that trash theology to try to ease their conscience and make them feel good about walking in hate because that's hating God, that's hating your neighbor. The truth is what sets your neighbor free, not twisting the truth to try to have some sort of false relationship with them and God Almighty. And it's so sad. Listen, make sure you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Make sure that he's not only your Lord, But the evidence of that is found, and that you abide in his word, you defer to his word, you stand on his word, that his word is yes and amen in your life. Can we say amen to that this morning? Verse 32 the Lord says, You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Again, the truth in that he's the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Do you know him personally? He's also talking about the truth of his word. Listen, God's word is purified seven times over. It's true from cover to cover. And when you abide in the truth, listen, there's a freedom. There's a freedom that comes from walking in the truth of God's word. When the Bible says, you know what, to forgive as you've been forgiven. And when you said, yeah, that's the truth of God's word. I don't feel like doing that, but I'm going to defer to God's word and I'm going to forgive. Boy, there's a great freedom found in forgiving. There might be some of you this morning, you're in bondage because you are not forgiving as God's called you to forgive. And you're saying, boy, I'd rather be over here because this is a safe place to be. No, you're in a place where you're being victimized over and over and over again by who you won't forgive. Forgive and be set free. The Bible talks about, again, shame. Jesus bore our sin. Jesus also bore our shame. And there's a lot of Christians walking around in shame for what they did that Christ has set them free and forgive them of. Listen, walk on the freedom knowing your conscience has been washed by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's great freedom found when we know who He is, when we know who we are in Him. There's great freedom found again over sin and the temptations of it when we see it for what it is that it's there to destroy. But life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, freedom over fear is found in the truth and having faith in the Word of God. And on and on and on and on it goes. Verse 33 They answered Him, We are Abraham's descendants. And we have never, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? This was not true. Yeah, they were Abraham's descendants, but they were in bondage to Egypt <laughs> for about 400 years. Go read the book of Judges several different times they're in bondage to the nations around them. The northern tribes were in bondage to the Assyrians, the southern tribes to the Babylonians. And as this was being said, they were in bondage to the Romans. They didn't want to deal in truce, practically or spiritually. They were in bondage as they spoke to Rome, but they said, we haven't been bondage to anyone. How can you say that? This is someone believing their own hype. You know, there's truth and then there's there's the reality and then there's false reality. There's a lot of people walking around and, False reality. You're in a false reality of whatever you have is the very best. A lot of people like that, you know, because they got that brand. It's the best brand because they have it. You know anyone like that? That's called a false reality. Now, maybe every once in a while it is the best thing, but you know what? They cater, you know what, truth, which is, which is an untruth, to themselves because they want to be right? And that's where these guys are. They're in full bondage practically, and more so they're in full bondage spiritually, but they're completely blinded to it because of their pride. And you never get free if you walk in pride. Truth oftentimes listen, starts with just acknowledging who God is and who I am outside of God. Listen, I need the Lord's help. Great freedom comes just from that simple truth of humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord the Bible says he'll lift you up. But these guys are just resistant in every turn. Verse 34 Jesus answered them most assuredly I say to you whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Not only were they in bondage to Rome but they were in bondage more so to their sin. The word commits here it means to practice sin. It's the idea to make provision for sin. It's that picture of not confessing sin, but willfully wanting to live for sin, wanting to walk in sin. And he says, when you do that, you're a slave to sin. You know what sin brings? You want sin to be your master? Sin brings death. It will destroy you. And sadly, there are so many people all over this world today that are enslaved to sin. Sin. Galatians 5.19, it says the works of the flesh are evident. These are just some of these sins that so many are enslaved to, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, uh, revileries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So many people in bondage to sin. So many people in that place thinking they're free, but they're slaves to that thing that they live for. That's not a good place to be when something controls you. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's envy. Maybe it is unforgiveness. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's a narcotic or a substance. So much better to be free in the Lord Jesus Christ than to be slave to these things that destroy. Verse 35, there's good news. Well, it's bad news and good news. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We were slaves to sin Through Christ now, we're sons and daughters of God. And again, when you put your faith in Christ, he made you free, and you're free indeed. Now it's a matter of recognizing we are free in Christ and to start walking as free men walk. If you're free, then why would you go back to be subjected to your slave master before? That's a willful choice, when we have the empowerment and the freedom to walk now in newness of life, hand in hand with the Lord Jesus Christ, who's redeemed us, who's purchased us out of slavery, that word to redeem, it means to be purchased out of slavery, and it also means never to be put on the slave block again, to be auctioned off, because we have security in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we gotta know truth. The truth sets us free. The truth helps us to begin to walk as free men and free women in the Lord Jesus Christ no longer controlled by the lust of this flesh but being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And maybe this morning you're going, I know that's true, but man, I'm not really seeing that. I have a lost hope. Listen, let God's word bring new hope to your life today because God's word is true. Finally here, verse 37. I know that you're Abraham's descendants. So Jesus recognized their genealogy he was talking about their spirituality. I know I'm making words up. <laughs> but you seek to kill me because your word ha- my word has no place in you. And then he begins to set up what we'll look at next week. I speak what I have seen from my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And he's going to get real blunt with them and telling them you're of your father the devil, and you do what your father does. He steals, he kills, he destroys, he's a liar, he's a murderer. But he says here, you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. And listen, you want to, the more God's word is pushed out of an arena, out of an area, the more that area will want to kill Jesus Christ. They'll want to cleanse itself of everything Christian They'll want to get rid of, again, his truth and so forth. You want to kill me because my word has no place in you. Sounds like our public school system, right? They say your word has no place here. Sounds like Hollywood for the most place. Your word has no place here. Sounds like, you know, so much of our society today. Your word has no place here. We're going to start talking about truth. What's God say? What's God say about marriage? What God says about men and women? No, we don't, we, you know what? We don't want any of that here. And what comes with it, a hostility against God Almighty. I saw this last week, some California state legislator, he all of a sudden is gonna set what's moral and what's right. You know, He's, he has the moral standard. And the moral standard is that we are supposed to go along with sin and go along with what's untrue and so forth. He doesn't call it that. And boy, if you're not doing that, and they say, especially pastors, pastors have a role to confirm sexual immorality and to, you know, uh, you know, tell people you're good there and so forth. And if you're not doing that, you're immoral and you're not going with the morals of this state. You talk about a word from Satan himself. And sadly, you know what? I know for a fact there's a lot of pastors out there that the you know they they in words say you know well uh, you know that's wrong, but in the back of their mind they're thinking I want there to be more of this so it's less controversial so I can just kind of cruise along in the world. I've seen it happen so many times. That's not love. That's again that state legislature and 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 uh, legislator and they'll probably pass the thing again. It's just a statement. That is the a state of California, we stand in this place, and this is what we're saying what's moral. That doesn't make it right. The standard is God's word, amen? But who are we going to say judges us, God, or these false individuals? Heck, look what's going on in this state. You can see the fruit of their decisions right before us. Some of these inner cities, it looks like the apocalypse. Some of the apps you have to have so you don't step in stuff when you walk around the streets and so forth. You can go Google that to find out what I'm talking about. I don't want to get into the descriptions. Hundreds of thousands of needles and so forth and epidemics and certain plagues beginning to break out and so forth. You want to push God out? You don't want to acknowledge the Lord? You don't want to acknowledge his word? then all the more you're going to get shackled, you're going to get in bondage and so forth. But Christ came to set people free and the truth sets people free. Let's stand up and close in prayer. Some of you might be thinking, oh, he went off on a rant. I actually did quite well because I wanted to rant a whole lot more than that. Well, Heavenly Father, we bless you this day. We praise you. We just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you came to save all men, all women who would call on your name. It is true, God, you hate sin, but you love the sinner. We know, Lord, outside of you, God, we don't have a leg to stand on. We're all in that same boat of condemnation, and yet we have the assurance of salvation through your death and resurrection and by grace alone, through faith alone in you alone. I pray we'd be found, God, walking as free men, as free women, as who we are in you. And this morning, God, I know you know the souls of everyone in this place. You know those who know you and those who don't. And Lord, those who don't know you, Lord, I know you're calling them to yourself today. Today, the Lord wants to set you free. Today, the Lord wants to birth faith in your life and bring you into salvation. If you're here, here saying, Steve, I want that. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I'd ask for the privilege just to lead you in a prayer, affirming that desire to call upon Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. So you can leave here knowing you've called on His name. You can leave here in the truth, knowing you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And as we've been doing, listen, those that know the Lord here, I want to invite you to pray with anyone today that would be wanting to call on His name. Let's just pray together right now. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm in bondage and I want to be set free I know that freedom's found in you I believe you died on the cross rose from the grave to make the way of salvation wash me of my sin be my Lord be my Savior set me free right now help me to abound in you to walk with you to grow in you and to know you, all of my days, I thank you, Lord. Lord, bless any that's prayed that prayer today. Shine your face on them immensely, Lord. Do a great work in their life, God. Even right now, do a great work in our life. Continue to do that work, God, and let us close well here, worshiping you. Let's lift our voice to the. you guys. We got like 35 minutes to the next service, so I encourage you to stick around and fellowship with some folks. Uh, encourage some folks. There's coffee out there. The altars open up here. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. i